Unless you or someone you love has needed hospice care, you might not have a clear idea on what exactly that means. Joining us today to dispel some common myths and misconceptions about hospice care is Christine Morphew, a nurse at Ridgecrest Regional Hospital. This is the Ridgecrest Regional Hospital podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin White. So, Christine, where can you receive hospice care? So, a patient can receive hospice care really, for the most part, anywhere they call home. It can be their private residence, the home of a friend or personal caregiver. It could be at a board and care facility, an assisted living, or a skilled nursing facility. I've even done hospice care on patients that lived in motorhomes or travel trailers. So anywhere they call home, they can receive hospice. Now, is hospice just for the last few days of life? No. In fact, hospice patients and families get the most benefit from hospice services when they enroll earlier rather than in the final days of life. Now, in order to be eligible for hospice services, a patient must have a prognosis of six months or less to live. If a patient has a terminal illness and they've exhausted all treatment options or the illness progresses despite the best curative treatments, this may be the best time to consider hospice. And when we're talking about who is eligible for hospice, is it only cancer patients? That's a great question. And I actually get that question asked often by many people. Hospice is not only for cancer patients. It is for anyone with a terminal illness with a prognosis of six months or less. In my personal experience, heart disease, lung disease, Parkinson's, liver disease, and stage Alzheimer's, they all make up a large portion of my patient caseload in addition to all kinds of cancers. So what would you recommend to someone who has been newly diagnosed with a terminal condition? So the first thing I'd like to acknowledge is receiving a terminal diagnosis or acknowledging that aggressive treatment is no longer an option be it because the disease is refractory to treatment or the treatment burden becomes too heavy, the realization of this can bring about feelings of fear, shock, disbelief, sadness, and grief, not only to the patient, but also to friends and family members. It may take time to process it all, and that's very normal. This is the time for the patient to decide what their priorities are in their final months of life. If comfort, symptom management, quality of life, emotional support, and spiritual support are what they're looking for, it may be time to speak to a hospice representative. If a patient is alert and oriented and is making the choice to receive comfort-focused care, it's very important that they make their wishes clear with their family and their friends. This can be really tough. Family members in their grief may want the patient to keep fighting or hold on to hope, refusing to acknowledge the situation. Advanced healthcare directives are very important for this reason. If a patient does not have advanced healthcare directives, a hospice social worker can assist with that. Now, you mentioned that a diagnosed terminal condition isn't only hard for the patient, but it's hard for the family members as well. What can they do when their loved one is diagnosed? 
actually oftentimes it is far more difficult for friends and family to accept that Uh their loved one is diagnosed with a terminal illness than it is the patient themselves. And that's a great question. It's natural for family members to want to hold out hope because the grief associated with losing their loved one is too much to process. It's as if they're grieving the loss of somebody that's still alive. It is difficult to acknowledge the failing health of a loved one. A family member may want to keep fighting even when the patient is tired and the patient just wants to no longer spend time in hospitals or doctor's offices with testing and diagnostic. But unfortunately, refusing to acknowledge the situation, even with the best of intentions, takes away from precious time that we could be spending with quality time with their family member, getting the medical and emotional support in their home that hospice provides. Families often feel as if they are just letting their loved one die or giving up on them if they choose comfort care. And it's important to reinforce that no one would consider discontinuing medical interventions or treatments that are working or that have the chance of restoring health. Our job as nurses is to educate and even reinforce the hard truths at times with family members, which is difficult sometimes even for me, um, because you risk upsetting that family member that really wants to believe their loved one is going to get well. Um, But choosing hospice in the final days provides the emotional support that patients and families need. Now, on the more practical side of things, how is hospice typically paid for? Typically, hospice is paid for by Medicare, by electing the hospice Medicare benefit. But hospice is also covered by Medicaid and private insurance, almost always at zero out-of-pocket cost. There is even option for patients with no insurance. Regardless of the reimbursement, every patient receives the same services and quality of care. What support do you offer families once the patient passes? Following the death of a loved one, we offer bereavement services for 14 months through hospice. We provide referrals to grief support groups. Our social worker um, will oftentimes make visits to the home to have just provide additional support to family members and to normalize their feelings and their grief. Great. Christine, is there anything else you want to let people know before we wrap up here? You know, I think there's just a lot of misconceptions and myths regarding hospice. And, you know, as a hospice nurse myself, I think that um, it's really important to say that I've never had a patient or family member say, gee, I wish we had not gotten hospice. I've only ever had them say, I wish we had gotten hospice sooner. So there may come a point in time that a patient with a terminal illness wants to have a discussion with their doctor and keep that line of communication open and say, you know, when is the time that curative treatment is no longer benefit me? And when is the time that we need to discuss comfort care? And knowing that ahead of time kind of prepares not only the patient, but the family and gets them ready for the process.
Well, thank you so much, Christine, for your time and for this critical care. Find out more about our hospice care options at rrh.org. And if you found this podcast helpful, please share it online and check out more like it in our podcast library. This has been the Ridgecrest Regional Hospital Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin White. Stay well.